Chapter Forty Three of the Mystery of the Ravenspurs by Fred M. White. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Forty Three, Nearer. To Geoffrey, the position was a strange one. There was something unreal about the whole thing. Nor was it pleasant to remember that by this time the family had missed him and were doubtless bewailing him for dead. "'I am afraid there is no help for it,' said Tchigorsky. "'I could not see my way to certain conclusions and ends without inconvenience.' "'Something more than inconvenience,' Geoffrey murmured. "'Anxiety, troubles, what you like,' Tchigorsky replied coolly. "'It is necessary.' I want to have the castle cleared for a time, and I can think of no better and less suspicious way of doing it. The anxiety and suspense will not last long, and by daylight your people shall see you again. And the one who is most likely to suffer has been already relieved. So Geoffrey was fain to wait in the cave, listening to Tchigorsky's piquant conversation, and waiting for the time to come for action. "'There will be plenty to do presently,' the Russian said. "'Meanwhile I am going to leave you to yourself for a space. "'The woman who regards me as her servant may need me. "'And remember, you are not to leave the cave in any circumstances, "'else all my delicately laid plans will be blown to the winds.' "'So saying, Tchigorsky disappeared.' It seemed hours before anything happened. It was safe in the cave. Nobody was likely to come there, and if they did, there was not the slightest chance of discovery, for the cave went far under the cliff and was dark as the throat of a wolf. By and by there came the sound of voices on the beach, and Rupert Ravenspur, followed by the two fishermen, appeared. Geoffrey's heart smote him as he saw his grandfather. Then they found the boat, and directly afterwards the two fishermen rushed away, leaving Ravenspur behind. It was only the strongest self-control that prevented Geoffrey from making his presence known to the figure gazing so sadly at the boat. But he remembered Tchigorsky's warning. After all, he reflected, it would only be for a little time. And the head of the family knew nothing of the great conspiracies working themselves out around him. His open, honorable nature would have shrunk from the subtle diplomacy and cunning that appeared so powerfully to Tchigorsky. Rupert Ravenspur would not have tolerated the position for a moment. He would have insisted upon going to Mrs. May and having the matter out at once or he would have called in the police. And that course would be fatal. So Geoffrey was constrained to stay and watch. Presently he saw the fishermen return, followed by the family. There was a gathering about the foundered boat, and then Geoffrey turned his eyes away, ashamed to witness the emotion caused by what they regarded as his untimely death. He had seen them all and beheld their grief. He could see Marion bent down with a handkerchief to her streaming eyes, 
and the head of the family comforting her. He saw Vera apart from the rest, gazing out to sea. Beyond, a fleet of boats were coming round the point. They were small fishing smacks in search of the drowned Ravenspur. Geoffrey pinched himself to make sure he was awake. It is not often that a live man sits watching people search for his dead body. But there was comfort in the knowledge that Vera was aware of everything. Geoffrey could see that she had been told. That was why she kept apart from the rest. She walked along the sands past the mouth of the cave, her head bent down. Flesh and blood could stand it no longer. In the mouth of the cave, Geoffrey stood and called Vera softly by name. The girl started and half turned. "'Don't be alarmed,' Geoffrey whispered. "'I am in the cave. It is safe here. Watch your opportunity and come in, for I must have a few words with you. Only do it naturally and don't let anybody suspect.' Vera had turned her back to the cave and appeared to be sadly gazing over the sea. Gradually she slipped back, watching the others, who apparently had forgotten her, until she was lost in the gloom of the cavern. A moment later and Geoffrey had her in his arms. It was good to feel her heart beating against his, to feel her kisses warm on his lips. "'Did Chigorsky tell you?' he asked. No. Uncle Ralph. Oh, I am so glad to see you again, Geoffrey. I knew you were not lost, that you would be safe after what Uncle said, and yet all the time there was a strange void in my heart. But, my darling, I am safe. Vera laid her head restfully on his shoulder. I know, I know, she said. But I have had a foretaste of what might have been. When Wasson Watkins came and told me that your overturned boat had been found, I began to realize what it might be to live without you. Dear Jeff, will it be long before all this anxiety is disposed of? Geoffrey kissed her trembling lips. Not long, so Chigorsky says, and I have implicit faith in him. The present situation is all part of the plot of our salvation. And the others? Are heartbroken. My poor grandfather looks ten years older. You know how entirely he has been wrapped up in us. I feel sure that if he could have saved us by sacrificing the rest, himself included, he would have done so. I know, Geoffrey said hoarsely. I know, dear. And Marion? Marion is sorely disturbed. I hardly know what to make of Marion. For the first time she positively appears to be frightened. And Marion is not the girl who cries. I was alarmed about her a little time ago, replied Vera. Ah, well, it won't be very long, Geoffrey said consolingly. Tomorrow morning Tchigorsky has promised me that I shall be safe and sound in the bosom of the family again. What are they going to do now? 
They are going to search until they find you. All the boats from the village are out, even the servants are assisting. You can understand how I should feel if I did not know everything. I could not stay in the house. I could do no more than wander along the shore feeling that I was helping. It would be impossible to remain in the house, and that is what they all feel. There is a full moon tonight, and they will be here till they are exhausted." Geoffrey nodded. He was wondering how he was going to account for his absence and for the manner in which he was finally to turn up safe and sound again. He would have to concoct some story of being picked up by a passing boat and landed some way down the coast. "'They guess I am a victim to the vendetta?' he asked. "'Of course. They say the mast and oars were partly sawn away. It will be the talk of the country in a few hours. Geoffrey, I must go. Don't you see that they have missed me?' Vera had been missed. Already Marion was calling her. There was just the chance that she might be yet another victim. Vera slipped out of the cave, walking backwards, as if she were looking for something. "'You won't betray yourself?' said Geoffrey. "'I'll try not to, dear. I understand how necessary it is that the truth should be concealed.' and yet it is hard not to be able to ease their minds." Vera was clear of the cave by this time, and her voice ceased. A few yards farther on, and Marion came up to her. She was looking pale and ghastly. There were rings under her eyes. Her nerves had had a terrible shock. "'I couldn't imagine where you had got to,' she said. I looked round and you had disappeared. I feared you had been spirited away." "'By the cruel foe, Marion? One by one we go. It may be your turn next.' "'Would to heaven that it was,' Marion whispered vehemently. "'A little time ago I fancied that I was strong enough to bear up against anything. Now I know what a feeble creature I am. Before this happened I would have a thousand times been the victim myself. And I—I—' I... She paused and beat the air impotently. Vera wondered. Could this really be the strong, self-reliant Marion who had uplifted them in so many troubles? This the girl who always had a smile on her face and words of comfort on her lips? This was a weak, frightened creature with eyes that were haunted. "'Be brave,' said Vera, "'and be yourself. What should we do without you? Why, you are so full of remorse you might have been responsible for Geoffrey's death yourself.' Marion looked up swiftly, and then her eyes fell. "'It is because I love him,' she said. "'And I love him, too. But I try to be brave.' Marion was silent under the reproof. Vera was calm and collected. What a reaction there would be later, Marion thought. "'You have not given up all hope?' she asked. 
No, I cannot. It would be too cruel. I cannot imagine that anything really serious has happened to Geoffrey. I cannot feel anything for the present save for you. And my heart is full for you, Marion. Aye, Marion said drearily. It need be. Vera turned and walked swiftly across the sands. She wanted to be alone now that no danger threatened. Then presently the moon rose and shone upon the people gathered on the fringe of the sea. To the impatient Geoffrey came Ralph Ravenspur, with a cloak and slouched hat over his arm. End of chapter 43